I'm pretty sure most of you know what the word Christmas means, right? Literally, it means a celebration of Christ. But when you think of Christmas, and especially in the world that we live in today, I mean, how many people are really celebrating Christ, you know? I mean, I love Christmas. How many of you guys here, you know, you just, I don't know, I, I know for some it's a tough season because, you know, maybe uh, you, you don't have that loved one that you had, you know, last year or previous years, and I understand that our hearts go out to you. You know, but um, my prayer is that God will minister to you. God will bring you joy uh, because that's the reason that Jesus came, you know. Uh, I love everything about Christmas. I love the, the, the lights that we get to set up in our house or the cars that my wife so faithfully sends out. You know, the cookies that she bakes this time of year, that the malis that uh, people give to us. And we're almost out, by the way. Um, <laughs> I mean, you name it. I mean... You get like a little gift from someone you would have never expected. It melts your heart. Um, over the years, especially as a kid, did you guys, weren't you fond of it? I remember one year I wanted an electric train set so bad. And I couldn't believe it that my, my parents actually got it for me. So there it was kicking back by the tree. And man, I couldn't wait. I would just kind of open it up every once in a while and just tape it back up, you know, and uh, excited about... Um, this day in which we open those gifts, someone thought about us, someone knew what we wanted, and uh, in one sense, it gets kind of cool when they even know what you need. I remember our, my mother-in-law, when she was here, you know, every year, every year, I hope I don't offend anybody by saying this, but she would always give me underwear and socks, man, and... You know, and at first I was like, man, I, you know, but then after a while you're like, man, I need those things, you know. <laughs> And, and let me just say something to you, man. That's God. God uh, knows what you need, and he even knows what you want. You don't realize it yet, but you want to know something? You want the Lord. You want his love. You want his peace. You want the freedom that only God can bring. That's what Christmas is. You know, we're sinners, and we separate ourselves from God. Our greatest need was salvation. Our greatest need was forgiveness. You know, it breaks my heart as a pastor and as a chaplain in the city of Almani. I'll tell you what, man. I find out every single day things that happen. And I'm sure you guys even read on the news uh, about people that die. You know, not, not everybody who dies is old. You guys know that, right? I remember not too long ago, a guy was going too fast right here on the street. Um, Santa Anita is going to... 100 miles an hour, and so the, the police officers, they, they track the skid marks, and apparently he, he wasn't drunk, he wasn't high, he was just going too fast, he lost control of the vehicle, and uh, he skidded across the road, he slammed into a couple of trees, and, and he died instantly at 19 years old, 19. And so they asked me to go and present to the family that death notification that they had lost their son. You know, and so when you've been around that enough, you realize this, and especially as a pastor, that, that no one knows if they have tomorrow. You know, one time D.L. Moody was doing an evangelistic crusade, and he was sharing the gospel with people, trying to tell people they need Jesus. You need the Lord. You need him. You know, and so he did his message, and afterwards, you know what he did? He told everyone, you want you to go home and think about the message. That night was a Chicago fire. 
And many of those people passed away. And so for us as, you know, chaplains or pastors or just Christians, people have been around long enough, you know that there is an urgency in your life, man. There really is. There's a battle for your soul. You know, we come to church and sometimes we think that we're doing our religious duty, but I just want to encourage you to know that it's about a relationship with the God who made you, who loves you. And on that Christmas night, he gave you the greatest gift that could ever be given. He gave you Jesus. He gave you his son. And in Jesus, what we find is everlasting life. And so, you know, enjoy your Christmas, man, but whatever you do, don't miss Christ. And so we got to go back to the basics. We go back to the Bible, and we read the story here in Matthew 1, in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, notice, in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and she will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You guys, don't, don't forget not just what this is all about, but who this is all about. You know, it's all about Jesus. Christmas, the celebration of Christ. He is the reason for the season. He should be the centerpiece of our life. You know, we have the story here in which uh, there is a young couple, and, you know, we don't know for sure how young they were. Some say Mary may have been as young as 14, 15 years old. Think about that, you know. Um, Joseph, probably a little bit older, but here we find they're betrothed. And back then in that culture, what that meant is that they were legally you know, married in, in the eyes of the law. They had a marriage that was set up by their parents. What do you guys think about that? Just as a quick side note here. How many of you here vote that parents should set up? The ma- okay, cool. I got some people on my side. No. <laughs> No, um, man, back then, that's what they did. Think about that. I remember Chuck Smith would talk a lot about this. Sometimes the kids would get betrothed at a very young age. Imagine that. You got your first grader, and then, you know, the other family's got their first grader, and they say, hey, why don't we hook them up, man? You know, and you get the parents uh, involved, and they sign a contract. Eventually, what happens, though, is they enter into, as they get old enough, a betrothal period. So they're engaged to be married, but they don't live together yet. They still live with the parents, and uh, they have about a year of betrothal in which they, they wouldn't come together physically. They wouldn't consummate the marriage. And so, you know, here's Joseph and Mary. In all reality, two very godly young people chosen by the father to raise his son. And so you got to think, man, these are probably two amazing young people you know, young people, right? But, but as they're betrothed, it says right there that, um, that Joseph was there with Mary and before they came together, before they were, you know, sexually intimate, 
You know, she was pregnant. She was pregnant. And so put yourself in Joseph's shoes. Imagine that you're engaged to someone and your, your, your fiancé says that, that she's pregnant. I mean, how would you feel, guys? You know, and then she has the audacity to tell you that it was God who, who did this to her, right? How many of you guys would believe her, just out of curiosity? I know none of you here, right? Would, right? I mean, you're thinking, man, she, she went out on me. You know, I mean, have you guys ever had that happen to you? You know, someone two-timed you? You know, it's an awful, awful feeling. That's where Joseph was, right? He's going through this heartache and uh, as he's there, uh, just thinking, how could she do this to me? The one that was so godly, the one that I thought loved me, the one that I loved, the one that I thought we'd spend the rest of our lives together, and now here she is. She's, she's knocked up. She's pregnant. And she has the audacity to tell me that it's God. And so, you know, Joseph, you know, he's, he's thinking about these things. Right here the Bible says, that, that he was a just man. It says that in verse 19. The same word used in the Greek language that the Bible says about Jesus when Pilate looked at him, he said he was a just man. He was righteous, he was virtuous. And so here's Joseph, uh, he's just this cool young man, and he doesn't want to make her a public example. And so it says right there that he was, he was thinking about just divorcing her quietly. You know, because according to the Jewish law, it was illegal and it was a capital offense if you were, you know, pregnant apart from being married. And so according to the, the law, they could actually make her an example and they could put her to death, have her stoned to death, right? But Joseph doesn't want that to happen. What he wants to do is to spare her to make it quiet, he's thinking about this, what I'll do, because again, betrothal is a, is a legal contract. What I'll do is I'll divorce her quietly, no one will know, and I'll move on with life, right? But we read in verse 20 that while he thought about these things, that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You know, I don't know about you, but if I was going through that situation, I'd probably have a hard time sleeping, but he somehow finds a way, falls asleep, and in a dream, an angel speaks to him. How many of you guys dream? Some of you know that you dream every night, right? How many of you guys remember those dreams? A lot of us don't. Do you write them down as soon as you wake up? Have you ever had an angel appear to you in a dream? Maybe some have, huh? You know, the Bible does talk about that in the book of Acts chapter 2, that, you know, God can speak to us through a dream. Most of the time it's because we had too many tacos, but you know what? You know, I'll be honest with you. I've had probably about five times where God spoke to me in a dream. Um, most of the time, however, uh, I know it wasn't the Lord, but there were times where God did speak. And so here's one thing I do want to encourage you guys. This is a quick side note. Always be listening. You know, God made you. God loves you. And you know, when he looks at us, he doesn't just see, you know, them congregationally. He sees you personally. He knows that that one over there is going through marital issues. He knows that one over there has a pornography addiction. He knows this one over here is struggling with crystal meth or heroin or that one over there. Uh, they're just, it's just a religion to them. You know, he knows everything about us. He knows exactly what we're going through. 
You know, we're here today, we come to church, we want to hear a general message and praise God for his word because it is a general objective truth that we can study together. But at the same time, simultaneously, God is able to speak to us personally. My encouragement to you is to listen. Listen, the same God that keeps this world spinning keeps your heart beating. And today he wants to meet you wherever you are. And he wants to take you along in this relationship with him. And so, you know, part of it is the way that he will use our life. For Joseph and Mary, they were chosen to raise Jesus as, a, as parents. And so there he is. He falls asleep in a dream. An angel comes to him. A lot of people believe that was Gabriel. We don't know. The Bible doesn't explicitly say here in the Gospel of Matthew, but we know it was an angel. And the angel says, okay, Joseph, uh, don't, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. Don't be afraid to, to marry Mary because this is the reason she's telling you the truth. I mean, I know it sounds crazy. And I know it is impossible with men. But the truth is, Joseph, God came down. God came down. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, supernatural. She didn't go out on you. She loves you. She loves me. And I've, we have chosen you to be the parents of the Savior of the world. You know, and this is, this is Christmas. This is how it all unfolded. This is what happened that first Christmas night. You know, for us, it's so important to know these things. He says, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Have you ever had someone come over to your house uh, uninvited, just out of curiosity? They just knock on the door, and there you are. You're a sister. You don't got your makeup on, and there you are. <laughs> you know, um, and I don't know about you, but I kind of like it when that happens. Not that I'm asking you to come over or anything, but, you know, I remember my, my wife, she had a cousin whose name was Eli, and he would just pop in every once in a while. But the thing about it, and the reason why I liked it when he showed up, is that every time he showed up, he showed up with, like, he was overflowing with life and love. You know, he was just one of those types of guys. You know, he'd come in, and you know what? You didn't have a problem. Hey, Eli, how you doing? He'd come in, and you know, he would say, hey, hi, open up the fridge. Hey, what do you got, you know, for me to eat? And then he would take us to the, you know, he would take her to the movies or just different things. I mean, just, you know, he showed up uninvited, unexpected, so to speak, but he brought life, and he brought love. You want to tell them? That's what God's done. You know, God came into our life. God showed up. And, you know, and, and, and in one sense, perhaps it was uninvited, although all of us here need him to come. You know, but he came in that love, in that life, in order to do something for us, in order to meet us in a place in which we were in a desperate situation, you see. It says right here that she would bring forth a son. This is before ultrasounds, knowing the gender, right? And, and, and you shall call his name. Jesus. 
I remember when we had our kids going back and forth with my wife. Well, what do you want to name him? And, you know, we're kind of debating. I said, I'll give you 100 bucks if you let me name her Ariel, that type of thing, right? No, I'm just joking. You know, she just let me name them. And, uh, and so, you know, you go through that whole process. Joseph wouldn't have to worry about it. He knew he was having a son. And the angel told him, this is what you're going to name him. Not, you know, John, not Fred, not Tom or whatever. You know, I want you to name him Jesus. And it's not just random. Sometimes, I don't know why you guys, why did you pick the names that you picked out of curiosity? Some of you are here, you pick the names you pick because they're cool, which is okay. It kind of flows off your tongue, you know? Um, other times, there's meaning to it, you know, naming a child perhaps after a grandparent or, you know, someone that was dear to you. Um, in this case, obviously, there is great significance in his name, Jesus, in the Greek, it's Yosus. In the Hebrew, it's Yehoshua. And you guys know what Jesus means? It means uh, Yahweh is salvation. And right there on that Christmas night, as they're getting ready and they're preparing for this night, you know, we learn what Christmas really is all about. Now, I love the trees. How many of you guys have a tree at your house, just out of curiosity. How many of you don't? Okay, how many of you just will not raise your hand in church? <laughs> like, I will never do that. <laughs> you know, I know that we have trees, uh, uh, and you know, at our house, I'll, you can come over, maybe show up one day uninvited, although I won't give you the address, but, you know... <laughs> And you'll see all our ornaments and our kids, you know, when they're one-year-old or two-year-old or whatever, just the different things over the years, the special ornaments there. There's one ornament that my mother-in-law gave or she had and then was passed on to us. My mother-in-law is now with the Lord, and we miss her dearly. But I tell you what, when we see that little ornament, and, you know, we don't always plug it in, but sometimes we do. You plug it in, it's got this little train that goes around inside the ornament. It is kind of like... Like, it kind of like, oh, man, that thing's so loud, you know? But, but it has meaning, you know? Some people will criticize the tree, and they'll say, oh, it's pagan in origin. You know what? It's what you make it. You know, when I look at the tree and Martin Luther, he gave symbolism to it, it's supposed to be an evergreen, an evergreen tree. That means it always has life. That's us. When we come to Christ, we always have life. And then there's lights on it, which is symbolic of the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. They say that way back when Martin Luther was out in the forest and he was looking among the trees and he saw the stars like kind of like shining through the branches right there. And they say that's kind of how we got the, the, the lights that we have, you know? And, and you can go on and on with all your different Christmas traditions and there's, there's cool because there really is a reason. There really is content to it. But Whatever you do, don't miss the main point. Don't miss, don't miss the centerpiece. The true reason for this season is that God saw our need that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin, according to Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, separates us from God. How many of you guys have sinned? All right, now most of you are raising your hand. The rest of you, tell us how you do it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> You know, we all sin. You know, we, we lie. You know, you know, did you guys ever notice that you don't have to teach a two-year-old how to, how to be a stingy? You know, most of the time they do it naturally, right? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I have some funny stories of, uh, of kids that were caught with their hands in the cookie jar. And the excuses they make, even as young kids, you know, we have all sinned. And we're not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. We were born sinners. Did you guys know that? Uh, don't believe the lie that the psychologist will tell you that we were born as a blank slate. We're not. We were born as sinners, man. And uh, as a result of that, we separate ourselves from God. But God wanted to reconcile us to himself, and that's why he sent Jesus. You know, God wants you to be in heaven. God wants you to be in heaven when you die. Can I ask you a question? Do you want to be there? Do you want to be there with God? You know, the choice is yours. You know, God provided a way in that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, and it says right there that he would save his people from their sins. What's the problem in the world today, you guys? What's the problem? Number one, sin. That's it, sin. You know, when Jesus Christ came to save us from sin, there's three things to think about. Number one, he came to save us from the power of sin. The power of sin. Number two, he came to save us from the penalty of sin. And then number three, he came to save us from the presence of sin. You know, how many of you here, before you were Christians, you had addictions that you couldn't overcome? Just out of curiosity. You know, I know for myself, uh, you know, grew up, uh, and I did a lot of that crazy stuff. I don't want to go into detail right now, but I do, I do know this, that when Jesus Christ came into my life, when I got saved, he set me free from the power of sin. You know, some guys, it's, it's, it's drugs. Sometimes it's alcohol. Sometimes it's porn. Uh, sometimes it's pride. That's why the marriage is the way it is. You're like, I don't get it. I give you everything that you want. You know, you got a nice house and you got a nice car and, you know, clothes and whatever. And, and, and the problem is, is that as husbands, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church and died for her. A lot of husbands have a hard time with that. Why? Because of the pride. I mean, we don't realize, you know, that we need Jesus to give us the power to be able to to be the men and women that we're called to be. But when you come to Christ, you get power. See, Jesus came to save us from the power of sin, also the penalty of sin, which is death, right? Ultimately, a death in hell. He came to save us from these things, and then one day, you guys, as we place our faith in Jesus Christ, he came to save us from the presence of sin, and what's that? Well, that's one day when we're home in heaven. Do you guys look forward to that day, being in heaven? It's going to be cool. I tell you a million times how, you know, there'll be no more uh, sin or suffering or sickness or death. You guys got to know this, that we're just pilgrims passing through. This is not our home. We're fish out of water. Heaven, it's not just a destination, it's a motivation and for us, one day we'll be there, no more sin, no more craziness. And you know, the things that we see going on in the world today, the war, the suffering, the politics, the foolishness, the scandals, none of that. No more devil, 
right? No more defeat, no more tears, no more deodorant, no more dental flies. We won't need any of that kind of stuff. How? How can that possibly be? Is it because you're a good person? No. You know, if you're here today and you're thinking, well, I'll go to heaven because I'm a good person, then let me tell you something straight out. You're not going to make it. You're not. You want to know why? Because you're not good enough to go to heaven on your own. Heaven requires perfection. We have to be bathed in the blood of Jesus. We've got to put our faith in him. You have to humble yourself and acknowledge that you need Jesus. Around the world, 2.5 billion people are celebrating his birth. Why? Because there's no one like Jesus. You know, it says right here that he would save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. And that's what happened. That Christmas night, God came. And uh, in one sense, you know, as he ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit. In one sense, he's, he's been here ever since in a special way. You know, the same God that made everything. Think about that. All the, the stars. I've been just kind of thinking a lot about this lately, about how you know, awesome the world is that we live in. You guys know we live in the Milky Way galaxy, 100,000 light years wide. You know, that's huge. Travel at 186,000 miles per second for 100,000 years. You'll span the, the width of the Milky Way galaxy filled with some say 400 billion stars, just one galaxy. And then you would consider the fact that we have 100 billion galaxies out there in the universe. Who made all that? Jesus. That's what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 3, that he made everything. And without him, nothing was made that was made. That God who, in, who invented, you know, he poured the rivers out of his crystal chalices. That God who made water, he thirsted. That God who created life, he died. That God, and if you can visualize it, I mean, you see the little baby, right? And, uh, and aren't they just beautiful? I mean, you see their little teeny tiny hands, right? I mean, even this baby, even though it was, what, 19 pounds when it was born? It was, uh... <laughs> you see these little teeny tiny hands, and you see little baby Jesus' hands. Why? Why did he have those hands? They were made for, for what? To touch the leper and to be nailed to a cross. You know, think about that. This is the mystery of Christmas, how God came to be with us. You guys, I know that you get busy, and I know life is crazy. It's filled with heartaches. As a pastor, I hear about things every single day. And you know, you, another person gets hurt, or another person falls, or another marriage is on the brink of divorce, or that person you know, they, they are diagnosed with cancer. And, and this one, it doesn't look like they're going to win that battle. And that one can't get out like they used to get out when they were younger. And, 
And, you know, you just hear through all these things, and then that one dies, and then, you know, you, you wonder, is that it? And then, you know, you read what the Bible says, how he has placed eternity in their hearts. There's no way this is it, you guys. And what we find is that we have a home in heaven, and the God who made everything, he loves you. He loves you. You know, one of the things about relationships, though, it's not enough if just one of the, the person's love, huh? You know, how many of you guys here, you know, maybe when you were in high school, or who knows, maybe junior high, you know, you saw a girl, and you're like, oh, she's, she's fine, I, I like, she's pretty, I would like to get to know her. And you went up to, and you asked her out, and she said, I'm sorry, I'm busy. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, I just can't, my parents won't let me date you. I mean, have you ever, <laughs> you know, and so you like them, you like them or whatever, but they, they don't, they don't, it's not mutual, right? And so that relationship, it'll never happen. I mean, you know, usually there are a couple of you here who didn't give up and, uh, and God blessed, but, you know, for the most part, you know, usually it takes two to, to tango, Right? And with God, this one thing I just want to make sure before we go our way and have our in and out and do whatever it is that you guys have planned for the day is that God loves you. God loves you no matter who you are, what you've done. He loves you. And Maybe you never had that love from a parent. I mean, some of you here, you haven't even had that love from your spouse. And you don't know what that means. Try. Try to understand that that he loves you. And even though you've gone through a lot, because we live in a fallen world and fallen bodies fighting fallen angels, The reason that you know he loves you is because he sent his son to die for you.